Amen. Um, this week's Advent theme, <coughs> of course, is, is love. And uh, as we know, to, to love isn't just to feel, is it? It's to, to reach out and, and, and do. Um, love, is, love is an action. Um, and particularly, uh, thank you, kind sir. My son, Sam, everybody, as I take a sip. I really just did that so I'd have a second to take a sip, so you know. Um, to, reach, to reach out and to bless, that's what, it, that's what it's to love. It's to seek out the highest good for somebody else. And especially, especially the agape love that we see in the New Testament, we see it over and over again, the reaching out to those uh, on the fringes, those who are overlooked. And the story of Christmas is just full of such people. We think of the childless Elizabeth and Zachariah, barren and thought to be cursed of the Lord because they were barren. What happens? He, he meets them, doesn't he? He meets them. Think of, of Anna, the aged widow. Husband's been gone for decades. She's waiting desperately for the coming Messiah. And also, Simeon, that old man who's just holding on to this promise everybody thought was crazy probably. Holding on, holding on, and what happens? God meets Anna. God meets Simeon. We think of the shepherds having that despised job, because it was a despised job in the empire. These poor young men and women with no future, alienated from, you know, respectable work in the city, and now doing this dirty work with these hopelessly stupid creatures out in the hill country. What happens to them? They hear the angels sing and they meet God himself come down in human form. And then there's the principal figures of the story, Mary and Joseph. We've got Mary, the young woman of the Lord's own choosing, becoming an unwed mother in an extremely conservative culture. I think that's something we don't wrestle with enough. JCSD in their Mary presentation did a beautiful job just demonstrating the emotions of what that must have been like for Mary. And Joseph, the, the respectable man, was given this, this unenviable task of, of believing that his fiancée hadn't actually given herself to anyone else but was only pregnant because of the hand of God. And so because of that, they were going to begin their family under this cloud of suspicion. Can you imagine? This was very, very difficult. Joseph is particularly an intriguing character to me. I, I feel like he often gets sort of lost in the shuffle in this story. But when he finds out Mary's pregnant, like, I'm sure he's heartbroken, right? Like, does he believe her if she tries to tell him what happened? No, of course, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't happen. She's... Thank you. Was that Marianne? You're glad because I didn't say more words in that regard, right? <laughs> I got you, Marianne. <laughs> but what does Joseph do anyway? Even though he couldn't possibly believe, he decides, I'm just going to quietly let her go. I will not shame her. I will not put the spotlight on her. Quietly let her go. And then he has this dream, Matthew 1, 20 to 25. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, it's actually true. <laughs> 
And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took him, his wife, and did not know her till she uh, brought home her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That's a pretty, pretty impressive thing he did, isn't it? Now, I wonder how much of the implications Joseph knew. You know, if you want to start a fight among other Christians online, just, just bring up the song, Mary, Did You Know? And instantly, there will be a, tor- a torrent of arguments. Did Mary, yes, she did, it's in the Magnificat, but did she know all of it? Like, but we, what happened, how much did Joseph, Joseph, did you know? Like, did you get all the implications here? Like, how much did he, I don't know how much he knew. He got some of it here, didn't he? But it's so impressive to me that he listens to the Lord. He obeys and he takes Mary as his bride, soon Jesus as his son. And in every one of these cases, ordinary men and women in everyday, really difficult and heartbreaking situations are met by the Lord. He becomes present with them. Christmas, you guys, isn't about presents. We know that. But it's about presence. It's all about presence. It's about the one who came to earth to give himself to us. Now, we have this lead up, don't we? We have this lead up of Advent that leads up to Christmas. It's the waiting. And we wait in the same way that humanity waited for the Messiah. We wait in the same way that Mary and Joseph waited for this baby. This, this, this arrival, this sense of anticipation builds. How many of you guys have ever felt that sense of anticipation? Building for a coming child. Yes, many of us have felt that. I have felt that on five particular occasions. And there's all sorts of emotions that swirl in. But I think for me... The first one is really significant. That sense of foreboding and anticipation. Our daughter turns 21 in a few weeks. I'm not ready for this day. (laughs) I was thinking about her, her birth. I was thinking about all the things that happened leading up. I remember the first baby shower. Well, I didn't go. They didn't invite me. I was so disappointed. Oh, oh man, rats. I wish I could have been there. Um, anyway, there was a baby shower. We were living in the uh, St. Croix Valley on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And we were working at a Christian school. And so all the moms got together to throw a baby shower. We were 22, 23. I don't know why I'm asking you because you're kind of busy. Um, and uh, 23. Okay, there we go. And... Uh, I guess I could have just counted back 21, but uh, who knows. Um, where am I right now? <laughs> and I remember, not the shower itself, but I remember going to pick up all the gifts, and it was like a windfall, you guys. There was crib, there were diapers, there were little tiny outfits. There, there was this thing called a diaper genie. The diaper genie, and it's like this contraption that inside of it goes like this 30-foot-long trash bag where you put diapers in, you twist them, and then when it fills up, it's like this long snake of sausage-link diapers. Like, it's like, because they kind of, you know, 
and it, it was like locking in the smell, supposedly. And, um, and I was like, okay, this is so cool. And then there was a stroller, and it wasn't just any stroller. It was a jogging stroller. It had, had big old wheels on it, and I didn't jog much at the time. I do now, but I did at the time. And my, my, my wife jogged, and I was like, well, well, we'll at least take walks with the stroller. And I was so excited it could go, it, it could go off-road. Because <laughs> I had big tires. We used to joke around. We're like, off-road, no problem for this baby, you know. So... I was just so excited. I was excited to see what would happen when she, when she would come and we could, we could show her off at church and it would just be so much fun. And, and, and so finally the due date comes and goes. And so we decide, all right, let's, uh, let's get this thing going. So we went over to Walmart and we walked around for a really long time and the baby still didn't come. So naturally we went to get air. <sighs> it's not true. We didn't go to get air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we we uh, uh, waited and waited, and, and, and then two days later, she woke up and said, my water just broke. And so I was, I was walking around panicky, you know. I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Well, let's go, let's go. And she's like, I don't want to go yet. I'm not ready yet. Okay, so what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do with myself. And so I asked her a question. I asked her if I could play video games. <laughs> I played a lot of video games back then. And she said yes, so I played a game called Crazy Taxi. Davis, you remember? No? You, you didn't? It's a game where you're in a, a taxi and you're driving all around San Francisco and just smashing into things, and, and it was perfect. Tyler remembers. It was perfect for that mode of jitteriness that I was in, because if I got in the car, that's probably what I would have done at that moment. But she finally came that day, and I just suddenly fell in love with this little tiny person, you know? Little tiny, she, here she is. So that first year, you know, we moved down to Texas. We were working with, with YWAM, and Sarah was interpreting some at a local college at the time. So I would just lug this baby around with me everywhere, to my meetings, to my classes. And she just became my, you know, like my backpack, basically. <laughs> Throw on my shoulders, let's go. And, uh, and it was so fun. And, and I remember one of our staff people telling me, they said, you know, Jason, you and Emily are going to have a really close relationship because of this time. You're spending so much time with her one-on-one -on -one in this first year. And uh, in the first two years. And, and I, you know, I would take her to Greek class. She was 18 months old, and, and she learned the Greek alphabet. Uh, she really did. She really did. Now, I taught it to her in the, in the tune to Itsy Bitsy Spider. And you can... You can do that with anything, with any kid, right? You can learn. So it's not actually as impressive as it sounds. But it was really intimidating to my Greek students because I'm like, hey, if she can do it, <laughs> it's actually quite effective. <laughs> and uh, there's something about this kid, though, right? Like she was just, just so like she spoke Elizabethan English, and she's like two, you know. I'm like, who are you? What is this? This is almost creepy. <laughs> She, she would get up early in the morning. She would wake, wake me up. She'd come and say, Daddy, I want some milky. And it was like, you know, before 6 o'clock. And she would do this all the time. And I'm like, oh, and I'm trying to stall. So one day I tried to throw something out there just to see if it would work, you know. My half-awake brain. I'm like, go ask Oliver. She said, who's Oliver? I said, the big blue dog. Go ask him. And she's like, <laughs> you're silly, Daddy. Okay, she's two years old, maybe two. I don't know if she had turned two yet. You're silly, Daddy. And I'm like, oh, that worked. And she's quiet for another 15 seconds. <laughs> Daddy, I want some milky. 
I said, I told you, go ask Oliver. She said, but dad, he's doing the dishes. <laughs> she beat me at my own game, friends. Emily's brought a lot of that kind of stuff to the family over the years, you know. She's, she's, here she is, like, years later, about to turn 21. She's, she's babysat for us how many times. She's, she, you know, she's helped out in a myriad of different ways. She's brought stories. Nowadays, you know what, she's such a good writer now. She's going to U of O for this stuff. I meet with her about writing. Like, we've been doing that all year long, and it's been amazing. Like, she's legit. This isn't just because I want to hang out with her. I'm like, yeah, okay, but I actually need your help. It's been a super cool thing. But you know, over the years, with all the different things she's brought, none of those are my favorite things about her. Not the writing, not the stories, not the babysitting, not the stroller, not even the diaper genie. She's brought a lot of things to our lives. But you know the best thing she's brought? Herself. Her presence is one of the greatest gifts I've ever had in my life, her presence. Which brings me back to Advent. More than anything else, this season is about the promise of the presence of God, given long, long ago, given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then given to Moses. And one of the most profound moments in all of Scripture, I've talked about this before, but it's one of my favorite moments in the Old Testament. Let's just go there. You remember when Moses was totally washed out, and he's... He's herding sheep, he's in exile, and, and he one day is with his sheep, and then he sees this burning bush, and he's like, well, I should probably go check that out, because this is super weird, and he climbs up and goes into this cave, and hears this voice, and it's the voice of God, and he says, take your shoes off, because you're on holy ground. And then he's, I'm sure, trembling, and God tells him, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Now, Moses asks a very good question at this point. Lord, who am I to go and do this thing? I don't think he was asking for a compliment. I think it was a real question. But if we in the West were coming up with this story and just writing it as if it were a piece of fiction and put it to a movie, here's what would have happened. This would have been a great motivational speech right here. When Moses asked God, who am I to do this thing? There would have been an epic motivational speech. And it could have been one of the great motivational speakers like Louis Gossett Jr. <sighs> Play the tape, kid. But more than likely, more than likely it would have been Owen Wilson. And he would have said something like this. Who are you? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> You're Moses. You're Momo. Mo freedom, Mo milk and honey. This is what you were made for. <laughs> so turn that frown upside down and march straight over to Pharaoh right now. Right now and say, let my people go. You show them. That's what would have happened. Thank you. Thank you. That's an impression I'm actually allowed to do. Some of my impressions I'm not because somebody rules with an iron fist. That is not what God says. <laughs> that is not what God says. You know what God says? 
Moses says, who am I to do these things? You know what God says? Oh, well, surely I will be with you. <laughs> do you get this? Who am I? To, who am I? It's too big for me. Well, yeah, I will be with you. Did you think this was about you? Oh, Moses. Oh, as they would say in Texas, bless your little heart. That was not the idea. You, you, you can't. No, 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 no. Give me a break, man. I mean, no. But I will be with you. And over and over and this, in the cave, he tells Moses that same thing. I will be with you. This is your hope, Moses. It's not in you. It's in me. I, my presence is going with you. That's why you can have hope. Not because you're awesome. Not because you're gifted. Not because you're good looking. I will be with you. And that's the reason there will be success. Over and over again, he tells him that. In fact, this is an interesting thing. When he says, what, when he asks God what his name is, you know what God tells him? He says, I am that I am, or I am who I am. You know, there's one translator, Everett Fox, who thinks this should be translated differently, and others agree. They think they should be translated, I am the one who will be with you. I am here. In other words, Lord, not, not, not so much about the existence of God, but the presence of God. I am present with you. I will be present with you. That is my name. And on and on it goes through the Old Testament. The promise of the presence being fulfilled. We see God with his people. We see the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And we see when they build the tabernacle, the presence of God go with them. We see when Solomon builds that magnificent temple in Jerusalem, the Shekinah glory of God comes down and fills the place. His presence thick like a cloud. I will be with you, he told them. I will be with you. And then something awful happens. Israel walks away from God's presence. And for centuries, they cho choose other gods, and finally they're conquered by larger, more powerful empires. And their temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. And in their desolation, they wonder, will they ever know the presence of God again? Some of them come back to Jerusalem sometime later. They rebuild the temple, thousands of them. They have men to read the scriptures and singers to sing the psalms. They have offerings for the altars and Priests to do the honors, and despite the ribbon cutting and the crowd cheering, the glory of God did not descend on that temple. So while many cheered, many others wept, for they knew what it meant. And for a long time, the people of God, those, those who remembered, they cried out for God to remember his covenant they hovered over the words of the prophet that one day Emmanuel would come and live up to his name, God with us. He had been with Abraham. He had been with Isaac and Jacob, often in supernatural ways. He had indeed been with Moses and Joshua, whether as a burning bush or as a mystery soldier. He had been with his people Israel with the Ark of the Covenant, coming in supernatural ways, giving them blessing. But this promise would be different, guys. This promise of the presence of God would be different because he would come in the flesh. In the flesh. Who would he come to? I'll tell you. To a poor mother and father from a backwater corner of a forgotten nation. 
He would come to shepherds, those much maligned field workers without any social standing. He would come to Anna and Simeon, an old man and an old widow, both holding on to the promise against all reason. He would come to all of these. Emmanuel has come. God with us has come. The incarnation, the incarnation, when the creator of the universe, the emperor of a billion sons, puts on flesh, you guys, that is the greatest gift humanity has ever received or ever could receive. God himself putting on flesh. And humanity cried, come, oh come, Emmanuel. And then it turned to rejoicing. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. He indeed has come. And even though he ascended to heaven, he stayed with us in the form of God's spirit. The Holy Spirit was given not just to the Moseses anymore, not just to the Joshuas or the Abrahams of this world, no, but to the lowly, that teenage mother, the forgotten workers of the field, the widows, the seekers, and any of us, all of us who hold on to both pain and promise. The promise of Emmanuel is ours now. He came for you. He came for me. He came to give us his presence. And I know, I know he brings a lot of benefits to the table, you know, like just like my daughter does for my family. I, I know there are promises about what Christ will bring. Joy. No more tears, no more injustice, no more sickness, no more death. Freedom. Some of those we get right now. Some we actually have to wait for his return to get them in full, don't we? But I fear that sometimes, I'll speak for myself, sometimes I start desiring his gifts more than his presence. You know what I'm saying? Start thinking about all those things that could make life better. But it is his presence by which I move forward. He promised me, just like he promised Moses, I will be with you. How can I walk through heartache? I will be with you? Yeah, but this is really too big for me. I know. I will be with you. And that's what he tells all of us. I will be with you. You know that, that incredibly unhelpful, not biblical saying, God never gives you anything you can't handle. Friends, that is a lie. You will have many, many things in this world that you cannot handle. They are simply too big for you. You've probably been in that situation before. What do you do when heartbreak comes? What do you do when you're wrapped in hopelessness and it's something's just beyond your control? How in the world can you possibly move forward? I will tell you, not by your own strength, but by Emmanuel, the one who will be with you. That's how. It's his presence that he offers us. It's his presence that he promises us. And I know he brings many other things, but sometimes all those other things get stripped away. And all you got is him. And I want to tell you, that is enough. He will one day make all things new. He will fix it all. But until then, who do you have? You have him. You have him. He is the gift 
Oh, you guys, and truly this is wonderful news for those of us who hurt. It's wonderful news. It's the, it's the presence of God that we need most. I want you to think about the times you've been crushed in spirit. And maybe that's super easy because maybe it's down. Those times you've been crushed in spirit. I can certainly think of some. And sometimes people want to say things to help you or do things like to... To, to, to say something that would make all the pain go away, you know, and you can just see they're grappling. Uh, I want to, uh. you've been on the other side of that too, I'm sure. How do I, ah, uh, I want to say the thing that would take all the, you, you, you can't. And you, you, you know the thing that helps the most in those situations? Your presence. When you have somebody who's just with you and just sit with you in the sadness, sit with you in the hopelessness, sit with you in the pain, Sit with you in the heartache. That is love. That is deep love. And that, my friends, is an unspeakable, precious gift. It is a precious gift to be able to sit with someone and know their pain right alongside them. He is near to the brokenhearted. This is exactly what he offers, his presence. And friends, he ain't going away. He ain't going away. Let me just throw some scriptures at you. You ready for this? Are you ready for this? Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Did you hear that? I am with you. Isaiah 43, 1-5. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this is Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, always, even until the end of the age. Did you hear that? I am with you. John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus again, let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself. That where you, where, where I am, you may also be. Even when he goes away, he goes away to bring us to himself forever. Did you hear that? I am with you. You're not getting your mansion when you go to heaven. You get to move into his. That's a much, much, much better news for me than get this one. Revelation 21, the end of the age. You ready for this? This is the end of the age. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Did you hear that? The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. He will be with us forever. This is the grand story. This is the great narrative on which our lives are built. The pursuit of God to be with his 
people. He is not going away. Do you hear me, friends? He is not going away. And that love of God begins with his presence. I want you to know anything that you have felt, any bit of hopelessness, any bit of sorrow, any bit of fear, he knows that too because he's felt it right along with you. That's why he came to draw near, to draw near. This is the love of God. It is his presence. And this is what we get to share with one another, friends. The presence of God in us. The presence of joy in one another. The goodness of God in his promises to make all things new. Love begins with presence. Will you stand with me? We thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. Lord, I pray that each and every one of these guys would know that deep in their hearts. Lord, I pray that your presence would be thick this week. I, it would be thick. I pray it would be like the tabernacle. I pray it would be like the Holy of Holies for the, this week for those who hurt. I pray it would be like the Holy of Holies, that they would know you so closely. Lord, may we learn to soak that presence in. May we learn to breathe in your goodness that we may exhale it to those around us. And most of all, we thank you, Jesus, for coming. We thank you for making good on your promise and good on your name. Emmanuel, God with us.